0: Catastrophe in Alabama. A Democrat won the deep red state Senate seat. I personally blame the Russians and Jim Comey. Unfortunately, Republicans are drawing terrible conclusions from this whole experience. We will analyze what conservatives should really take away from Roy Moore's defeat. Then Amanda Prestigiacomo and Ali Stuckey join the panel of deplorables to talk about a new study which shows that the key to living a long life is being a stubborn old Italian woman. Huge anti-Trump bias at the DOJ, and in Bob Mueller's investigation, exposed and the real cause of the literal fires, not the weird sex crime figurative fires, that burned down my city of Los Angeles. I am Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. You know, pretty bad news last night, bad news for the Republican majority in the Senate, for the Trump agenda. It was a tough night, and I feel that I need to console myself. The way that I can console myself, I can feel a little bit better, I can feel good, as good as I did as a child walking through shopping malls, is to talk about Mrs. Fields, our sponsor. These are, if you're like me, you your favorite part of going to the mall as a kid was stopping by Mrs. Fields. Now, it's probably going to be your favorite part of Christmas shopping too. Uh, it's very hard. We're getting a little close to Christmas now. There is one way that you cannot strike out buying Christmas presents and it, it is to send them those delicious, those perfect chocolate chip cookies that will make you feel like a kid again. Give your friends and family the same feeling of pure joy with a holiday gift arrangement from Mrs. Fields. Mrs. Fields cookies have been around for 40 years. When I did the, the onboarding call with Mrs. Fields, we were talking about my favorite Mrs. Fields cookies. I remember them from when I was a little boy in shopping malls, you You know, uh, the whole mall would smell like Mrs. Fields, and I would force my parents to go and get me the sugar cookies. Those are my favorite Mrs. Fields cookies. A lot of people like the chocolate chip. They have these oatmeal raisin ones that are unbelievable. But uh, they said, well, Michael, how are you going to talk about it? I said, well, you know, it's a real hard pitch. It's a real hard pitch to convince people to eat delicious chocolate chip cookies, but I think I can do it. I, I think I'll be able to get across the reasons that you might enjoy tasty chocolate chip cookies. Uh, they, are, they are really wonderful, and there's an exclusive deal for my listeners. If you go to MrsFields.com and you click on the microphone in the upper right hand corner and you enter in the code COFEFE, C O V F E F E. Want your cookie? Type in COFEFE, C O V F E F E. You will save 20% on any Mrs. Fields product. That's pretty good. That's one-fifth off, 20%. 20%. That includes their best-selling Peace, Love, and Cookies tin, uh, which, if you use my code, becomes the Peace, Love, Cookies, and Covfefe tin. Uh, It comes with holiday favorites like Nibbler's Bite-Sized Cookies, Brownie Bites, and much, much more. So go to MrsFields.com. Click on the microphone. Type in what? What do you type in? You know. C-O-V-F-E-F-E-Cofefe, You'll get 20% off of any product at MrsFields.com. Okay, we're feeling too good. We're starting out this terrible, terrible day. Feeling too good. So let's get back into reality. A rough night for Republicans. Take it away, mainstream media
1: that breaking news coming out of alabama this
0: morning a stunning end to the race for senate as doug jones claims victory why his opponent roy moore says things are far from over
1: senate race against republican roy moore this is a seismic democratic victory in a deeply red state we have team
0: coverage with reporters in both camps tonight democrat doug jones wins a stunning victory in the senate election In Alabama, and tonight, I'm Don Lemon. Thank you for staying up with us. An incredible victory for the Democratic candidate in one of the reddest of red states. I want you to listen to this joyful reaction at Doug Jones' headquarters. Seismic, stunning, stunning miraculous. Thank you for staying up with us. I, I am truly a masochist. That is like the cat of nine tails whipping myself watching that ridiculous coverage. So that's that's going to be the story. Seismic, stunning, unbelievable. The whole it's a whole brand new world. Huzzah, huzzah. You're going to hear that from the mainstream media. Unfortunately, a lot of Republicans are taking this to heart and they're taking away the wrong conclusions from this race. So let's go through the top seven takeaways from Roy Moore's defeat in Alabama, what conservatives should really learn. Number one, no, Roy Moore should not have dropped out of this race after the sexual impropriety allegations came out. They should there are a lot of Republicans saying now, oh, he should have dropped out, there should have been a writing candidate against uh, Doug Jones, we could have run Luther Strange or Mo Brooks or somebody. Not true, totally ridiculous. Let's look at the timeline. On November 9th, that is when the first allegations against Roy Moore came out. Keep in mind, these are 40 year old allegations. But on November 9th, we learned that there is a, a woman who says that when she was 14, Roy Moore was sexually inappropriate with her, he sexually assaulted her. And uh, then a number of other women came out and said, oh, yes, when I was 16 or 18 or 19, Roy Moore, then at the time, 30, 32, he uh, got a little frisky with me, too, and it created this aura of sexual harassment and sexual assault. Those were the allegations. These allegations were conveniently timed. You notice you haven't heard about these things for, I don't know, the 40 years since they happened until just too late for Roy Moore to get off that ballot. So people think it's very easy. If Roy Moore just dropped out, then they'd put someone else on the ballot and the Republican would have won. That isn't true. According to Alabama state code, uh, you can only remove yourself from the ballot six, 76 days before the election. So if it's after that time period, you can't get off of the ballot. If Roy Moore had dropped out, his name would still be on that ballot. He still would have the Republican line. Some people also don't know when you're running for office, you need to get a number of lines. So, for instance, when I would run campaigns in New York, we'd try to pick up the Republican line, the conservative line, the Independence Party line. There are all these – the Democrats would get Working Families Party. But you get those lines, and then the more lines you have, the better your chances of winning. If Roy Moore had dropped out and the Republican establishment, or Donald Trump even, had endorsed someone like Luther Strange, who had lost in the primaries, or Mo Brooks, who who didn't really have much of a shot, uh, even though those candidates would have been more likely to win the general, it would have had to be a write-in campaign. So there's a very low chance it would have happened. I think uh, Luther Strange was polling at like 2% or something uh, in a write-in campaign in the general election. Roy Moore dropping out would have guaranteed the seat would have gone to a Democrat instead of what we saw, which was a tight race, but, you know, two, three points separating these. It was a clear outcome, basically, but uh, at least a close race. Dropping out would have guaranteed it to Democrats. Uh, And I know what you're going to hear. You're going to hear, well, Lisa Murkowski, the senator from Alaska, she won a writing campaign in 2010 it is completely different she had a lot of things going for her one she had enormous support which roy moore lacked she was an incumbent she already had the seat she already had universal name recognition she came from a political legacy family she was widely known as the heir to a political family and she had a political write-in campaign campaign so her entire campaign was about this write-in she gave out bracelets she instructed people on how to spell her name it was just too late there was a month till the election when these allegations surfaced. It couldn't have happened. Added to all of this, you had Steve Bannon inserting himself into the Roy Moore campaign and playing it as an anti establishment versus establishment. Uh, campaign. So, had Donald Trump come out and endorsed the guy who lost the Republican primary or someone else, it, it would have been seen widely as opposing the will of voters, opposing the will of the populace, and for a populist president to do that, it just can't happen. Uh, At the end of this election, it was a choice between Roy Moore and Doug Jones. Anybody who's trying to tell you otherwise is selling you a fantasy. Number two, no, the outcome is not stunning. The mainstream media will tell you it's stunning. It's unbelievable to to hear them tell it. Not since the Battle of Lepanto has an underdog overcome so much to get a victory. NBC News reported it's a stunning victory. Politico reported on the Alabama earthquake. The Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness, called it miraculous. They're suggesting no one could have ever predicted this. This is a blowout victory. Hmm. Did anybody predict that Roy Moore would lose the general? Let's cut to the tape.
1: Luther will definitely win. No, you know what I'm saying. Roy has a very good chance of not winning in the general election. It's all about the general. Don't forget, we don't stop here. You have an election coming up the day this is over. So, this is over on Tuesday. On Wednesday morning, the new race begins. You gotta beat a Democrat. Luther's gonna win easily. And Roy's going to have a hard time winning.
0: Oh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the guy who predicted this. Right. The leader of Roy Moore's party, the Republican president, he predicted that Roy Moore would have a very hard time. He likely wouldn't win the general election. The mainstream media are conveniently ignoring this today because they need this to seem like a seismic shift. They need this to show that all of the Republican momentum, all of the Trump momentum, conservative policy legislation like we haven't seen in our lifetimes is coming to an end. They have to show that it stops that. Donald Trump predicted it during the primary. He said, yeah, I don't know, this guy, it's a tough— It's going to be a tough race for him. He isn't a great candidate. He's a flawed candidate. This was before any of the sexual allegations came out. Just based on his appeal as a candidate, absent the dirty tricks, absent people coming out of the woodwork to accuse him of things, he knew it would be a tough race. This isn't stunning. Stop repeating that. Number three, Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment, now more than ever. Ronald Reagan was fond of saying, there is an 11th commandment we all must live by, thou shalt not speak ill of a fellow Republican. Unfortunately, many Republicans were all too happy to jump on the bandwagon against Roy Moore when these accusations came out. In part, perhaps, because the going got a little tough. That's a, that is a bad accusation to say that a man in his 30s is creeping on 14-year-old girls. And so when the going gets tough, you want to run away from that. Uh, also, I think people just don't like Moore. Some Republicans don't like him because of his Trumpiness. Some They don't like him because he's a Bible-thumper. They don't like him because he seems a little slick, a little unctuous, whatever. <laughs> Do not speak ill of a fellow Republican. Because, by the way, there, this sexual uh, mania that took over the last days of the Roy Moore campaign, They had one piece of solid evidence. They had one piece of solid evidence. Gloria Allred showed it off with that one accuser during her big press conference. It was a yearbook that purported to have a signature from Roy Moore saying sweet things to the little girl. We now know it has been admitted that that evidence was at least partially fabricated, and they hid that it was fabricated when they showed it. So the only hard evidence we have is not credible. And yet Republicans were quick to throw Roy Moore under the bus instead of saying nothing at all, instead of stepping back a little bit and saying, well, let's wait and see how this plays out. I'm not totally sure because now there's a precedent which is if you make allegations, sexual allegations in particular, against a Republican, you will be assumed guilty until proven innocent. Not a good way for Republicans to move forward. It really damages us. Hopefully, we'll learn not to be so quick on the trigger in the future. Number four, Republicans need better opposition research. This is the part where I talk about how the allegations were pretty strong. So... Uh, These allegations, sure, they were 40 years old, but we know from Moore's autobiography that he has a thing for young teenage girls. We know from Moore's 2005 autobiography that he met his current wife when she was a teenager performing in a dance recital. He wrote, quote, I knew Kayla was going to be a special person in my life. And then later, when she was 23, I think they connected and went on a date. That's how the story goes. Nevertheless, he even admitted that when she was a a teenage girl in a dance recital, he had the eye for her. So Roy Moore's opponents should have known, his Republican opponents should have known, this was a place rife for attack. Even if all of the allegations were false, they would be easy political tricks to play. They should have... Roy Moore's campaign should have protected against that and Luther Strange's campaign should have pounced on it. If these allegations are true, they should have found those people and they should have made them make the claims during the primary so that Strange would have won and we would have a Republican in the Senate from Alabama. If If those claims weren't true, Roy Moore should have protected against that. It means that Luther Strange's campaign was incompetent. I don't believe this was a big conspiracy really by the establishment. I don't really buy that Mitch McConnell knew about this and he was sitting on it and hiding it. I think if they had been sitting on it, they would have played it in the primary. They don't want to lose that seat. They could have easily bumped out Roy Moore and given it to Luther Strange if this had come out. Republican voting was deeply depressed in the general election. They easily could have defeated Roy Moore in a primary and depressed his supporters in that election, but they didn't do it. I don't know if, if it's that we're lazy because we've been running against the Clintons who, for whom every scandal of the last three decades is common public knowledge. It's been plastered all over TV for years and years and years. But you have to get better at opposition research. Uh, I place a lot of the blame for this loss at Luther Strange's feet and at his campaign because they didn't uncover this and more didn't protect against it. Number five, do not OD on covfefe. Covfefe is a hell of a drug, folks. You've got to use it sparingly and cautiously. What I mean by that, there is a huge right-wing exuberance, more than I have ever seen in my entire life, a young life, granted, but, you know, I've been on this earth a few decades at least, and... uh, we've never seen anything like this. Wonderful conservative legislation, wonderful executive priorities, wonderful foreign policy, good judges being nominated, courts being stacked. We're seeing massive tax reform that we haven't seen since Reagan. But there is a limit. There is a limit. You can't go crazy. Donald Trump has completely shaken up politics. He's radically altered what is acceptable specifically in political speech, in campaign speech, in what a candidate looks like. He's cracked this political correct, uh, gross, uh, just the political language where they say one thing, and really you know that they're lying, but they're lying in this way or they're lying in that way. Donald Trump, he cracked that. He cracked the political correctness. He cracked the credibility of the mainstream media. But you can't get away with everything. He hasn't abolished the rules of politics entirely. Roy Moore did not have a way forward. He did not know how to pivot his campaign. Uh, he gave this awful interview with Sean Hannity. Let's hear it. Do you know Miss Corfman? Do you know the mother? I
1: don't know Miss Corfman from anybody. I've I never talked to her, I never had any contact with her. Allegations of sexual misconduct with her are completely false. I believe they're politically motivated. I believe they're brought only to stop a very successful campaign, and that's what they're doing. Uh, I've never... Uh, known this woman or anything with regard to the other girls. I mean, you understand this is 40 years ago. She said that you asked her out on on the first of several dates, but nothing progressed beyond kissing. I don't remember specific dates. No, I do not. And I don't remember if it was in that time or later. Uh, but I do not remember that. No. But you know her, but you never dated her ever. Is that what you're saying? Know her, but I don't remember going out on dates. I I knew her as a friend. If we did go out on dates, then we did, but I do not remember
0: that. That is not an answer. So he's talking about two different girls there, but he's saying on the one, this never happened, this 14-year-old girl, it never happened. Well, did you date teenagers? Well, no, I don't. Well, I don't remember specific dates. Well, did you date teenagers? Well, you know, that's not an answer. If you're going to deny it, deny it. If you're going to own up to it, own up to it and explain it, but move on, pivot, move on. The way that Roy Moore tried to pivot was by blaming gays and lesbians and the cultural left for harping on this. Uh, Sure, the cultural left might be harping on this. You're not going to be able to push your campaign forward by trying to scapegoat gays and lesbians when your own sexual behavior is being called into question. You have to move forward. Roy Moore didn't do that. He didn't have a clear enough vision for his campaign, and he didn't have the the courage or the strength or the political smarts to address the issue and move straight forward, plow right by it. This brings us to number six, never defend, never explain always attack. This is also from Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan would say, if you're explaining, you're losing, but Roy Moore just kept on explaining. He kept on saying, well, I never did this 40 years ago, and even when I did, I got the mother's permission. That doesn't work, pal. When you do that, you you end up looking like Frank from Always Sunny in Philadelphia.
1: I am not gonna diddle your kids. I'm not like that. We gotta definitely write a song about how we, we do not diddle kids. Do not diddle kids, it's no good diddling kids. There is no quicker way for people to think that you are diddling kids than by writing a song about it. You gotta write a song that says, ooh, I wouldn't do it with anybody younger than my daughter. My little <laughs> kids gotta be big, older than my wife, I'm my daughter, or something like that.
0: Don't write a song about
1: that. No. Mm, I'm cloudy, I got a headache.
0: That could be a documentary of Roy Moore's campaign. That is what it looked like when he came out and tried to explain all of this. Don't do that. Eventually he wised up and then just denied it. He called into question some of the, uh, clearly the fabrication on the the yearbook signature. But that's what he looked like for weeks when these allegations came out. Not a good look. There's no way to convince somebody uh, that you're not doing that when you're constantly harping on these things and going back and changing your story slightly. When Republicans were confronted with various and sundry allegations against Moore. They would say, if you even support Moore, you are a pedophile. There is a two-word answer that they should have given. Bob Menendez. Bob Menendez, there is a sitting Democrat United States senator who federal prosecutors think might have had sex with underage prostitutes. You don't hear a peep about that. You don't hear Democrats calling on him to step down or to resign. The mainstream media have blocked it out entirely because it doesn't help out their narrative against Republicans and against Roy Moore. But that's what they said. The Democrats said, well, if you vote for Moore, you are a pedophile. And just to be precise about language here. What Roy Moore is accused of is not pedophilia. The the old Greek word for this is ephibophilia. He's accused of doing things, weird sex stuff with uh, teenagers, young teenage girls, but not with children. There's a difference between a 6-year-old and a 16-year-old, for instance. I guess you could make that point to them, but the real attack you have to make is pushing forward, pushing it back on them. Say, not only are your claims not true, not only is your evidence of the yearbook which was fabricated, not even is that not credible, but your own guy is sitting in the United States Senate accused of having sex with underage prostitutes, Senator Bob Menendez, and you're saying nothing on that. And until Democrats answer for that, they have no credibility on this issue and you don't owe them one single explanation. Beyond that, political votes uh, uh, are—when I vote for somebody, I do not suddenly take on all of their moral characteristics. That's not how it works. We live in reality, and in reality, we have to elect people to represent us on political issues in legislative bodies. I do not— become Chuck Schumer because Chuck Schumer represents the state of New York. I do not become Kamala Harris because Kamala Harris represents California. I don't even become Donald Trump because I voted for Donald Trump in the presidential election. I ha- I don't have billions of dollars. I don't have the c- kind of crazy hair. Not- that doesn't happen because there are steps between the representatives and their constituents. Don't buy into that lie and hammer them, hammer them, hammer them. Have I made myself clear? I hope so. Next. And final point, do not get hypnotized. This one's really hard, because the the mainstream media will do this to you. According to a report out from the Media Research Center today, 91% of evening news coverage about Donald Trump is negative, 91%. This is way higher than previous presidents, Republican or Democrat. There is wall-to-wall coverage of all of the sex stuff with Roy Moore. And what's the refrain? Roy Moore is a pedophile. Roy Moore is a pedophile. doesn't really analyze the evidence. It doesn't analyze what those words mean. It doesn't analyze what the accusations are or how many decades ago they took place. But do not be hypnotized. I know you haven't seen anything about Bob Menendez. I know all you've heard about is what a mean, terrible, rotten guy Roy Moore is. But the... Mainstream media are the communications wing of the Democratic Party. Do not believe what they're saying. There have been absurd retractions in just the last few days from CNN, Washington Post, The New York Times. They got stories completely wrong, important stories, important stories about so-called collusion, about the White House, about Donald Trump. Don't buy what they are selling, and don't buy their premises, because then you'll have to arrive at their conclusions. That isn't true. Okay. That's all I want to talk about on how conservatives are making wrong conclusions from this race. Now we have to talk about the race itself. We have to bring on our lovely panel of deplorables, our all-female panel, the conservative millennial Ali Stuckey and the Daily Wire's very own Amanda Presta Giacomo. But first, you did not I wasn't going to just give them to you all willy-nilly without having to talk to you first about man crates. Man crates, it, this is... Uh, my favorite gift that I've gotten thus far. I've gotten, uh, I shouldn't be that uh, blunt about it because my fiance did give me her Christmas gifts already and she didn't give me a man crate, but man crates sent me one and it's awesome. So mancrates.com is the surest way to find gifts that guys will actually love guaranteed. The one that I ordered is from, uh, Andrew Clavin. got the same one and I was very envious of it, so I begged them to send me my own. It's the Whiskey Appreciation Crate that has your name uh, inscribed on glasses and your initials on a whiskey decanter and all sorts of nuts and and whiskey treats. Uh, There's the Grillmaster Crate with a brass knuckle meat tenderizer and a cast iron smoker box. Uh, If you go to mancrates.com, you can pick the perfect crate and choose the delivery date. When the crate arrives, how do you open it? With a crowbar, of course, with a crowbar that has your name laser engraved on it. Uh, Both Men's Health and Allure magazine are saying man crates are the perfect gift for men. Those two magazines don't agree on anything. They have thousands of five-star reviews, and every man crate comes with a high-five guarantee. I think you're going to love it. I think it will help you to own the holidays. They have over 100 hand-curated gift collections. And, uh, by the way, if you don't want to get a personalized gift like that, you don't think that they'll enjoy the whiskey collection or whatever for some reason. Let's say you just want to get a gift card, a very safe standard gift. Get them a mancrates.com gift card set and the gift card, whichever gift card you want, will come in a block of cement that you, and with a sledgehammer and you have to crack the cement in order to get the gift card. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I think boring gifts aren't worth giving. If there isn't an experience that comes with it, if there isn't something fun and personal and a story that will come out of it, it misses half of the point. So if you're going to give a gift, if you're going to give your friends and loved ones Christmas gifts, give them one that comes with a story and that you can laugh about for a long time to come. Uh, I'm I'm getting mine in the mail uh, this week, and I'm very excited to use it. So go to mancrates.com slash Knowles, K-O-W-L-E-S, you will get 5% off of your order. They don't offer this discount anywhere else. That is 5% off at mancrates.com, slash K-O-W-L-E-S. mancrates.com, slash K-O-W-L-E-S. own the holidays. Okay, ladies, we have to bring you on a tough night. Let's begin. Allie, what does this loss, this new Democrat in the Senate, mean for tax reform?
2: Um, Well, unfortunately, I don't think it's a great step for tax reform. I do think the positive side about it, although you have already touched on this uh, so far, is that we don't have such an uphill PR battle now to fight. Of course, everyone who voted for President Trump wanted someone in the Senate that would carry out President Trump's pro-America, America America First agenda, and that includes tax reform. But I do think it's a positive that we no longer have to um, battle the media and battle the left and defend ourselves. As you explained, we would constantly be having to explain ourselves by saying, oh no, we're not the party of a sex offender, or no, we're we're not the the party of a guy who engages in preying upon teenagers. That's what how we would be spending the next couple of years until um until 2020 is explaining that we are not the party of Roy Moore. Well, now we don't have to waste our time doing that. We can actually focus on maintaining the majority in the Senate and then winning 2020 as well. So I do think it can be a positive.
0: And it, it does take a real weapon out of their toolbox. Absolutely. I always advocate not explaining anything to them and saying, we don't owe you an explanation. You have Bob Menendez. True. But you're, you're right. It does make it much easier on the PR front. And uh, it was the, really, it was the worst night for Al Franken. <laughs> Al Franken, who fake resigned a couple weeks ago, he now has to actually resign. You know, if Roy Moore had won, <laughs> he could say, well, he, they got more. I'm going to stay. But too bad. Now you're fired. Sad, sad. I, I guess Donald Trump's catchphrase, so I, I suppose it's fitting. Uh, Amanda, what does this mean for Republicans in 2018?
3: Um. Well, I think I think we can just learn that th- this was a really bad candidate. Like, I don't I don't think this teaches us anything else aside from um, Roy Moore was a really bad candidate, and that's why he lost. Like, I don't think we can extrapolate from this and think it's like a referendum on Trump or anything like that. Um, I just think we put not a good candidate forward. I mean, Mo Brooks would have wiped the floor, even Luther Strange. Um, so it was really, and of course, we can look to Mitch McConnell, <laughs> and that was not the best move on his part. Um, to, to, you know, try to rid those other uh, people from being in there. So um, maybe just take a look at our leadership. That would be a good move for for Republicans. And then maybe that would help us in in 2018.
0: He was a bad candidate. I I do fear now that anybody can make up allegations. I'm not saying these allegations are made up, but anybody can make them up, especially if they're four decades old. And giving them a win on this, I just fear is going to unleash a tidal wave of these allegations. Are we going to see this strategy played out in
3: 2018? Oh, 100%. I've I've had... um Reservations about the whole Me Too campaign from the beginning. And this is, and that's exactly the right point is that anything can be said. Um, Bill O'Reilly actually just recently came out and he said that there's a tape. Again, I can't, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but he said that there's a tape of uh, basically an anti Trump uh, attorney offering $200,000 to someone to make up false sexual assault accusations against President Trump. Um, to say that this would never happen. Is absurd, and we've seen it in the past. So it's it's a really dangerous precedent. Again, not to say that the allegations against Roy Moore were false. We I don't know. Um, some of them seem credible, actually. But we could see this in the future where you could you know tank a candidate based off of allegations, true or not. Like I said, we didn't even get to the bottom of these and. And the outcome of that election was, was clear as day that he, that he wasn't going to win because of the allegations. So Chuck, it's, Chuck it's Schumer. really, really dangerous.
0: Chuck Schumer today reported to Capitol Police that there was a plot afoot yeah. to uh, accuse him of uh, sexual assault or sexual harassment uh, that weren't true. You know, it was just made up and cooked up in some political operative's room. That's I thought sketchy. we
3: were.
0: Aren't we always supposed to believe the women, though? I, what happened to Chuck Schumer? <laughs> what happened to Woke Chuck, yeah. huh? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's well, the thing. That it's like. Go ahead. Go ahead. Allie. Well, I think that's I think that's a, a really good point. I think the danger of Democrats employing this kind of strategy going forward. Yes, it could be effective to taking down Republicans, but as they've seen, it's also effective in taking down Democrats. And so, if they're willing to take down their own side by taking down people like Al Franken and John Conyers and maybe even Chuck Schumer, who knows? I'm not starting that rumor, but hey. Um, yeah, I'm not starting I, that
0: rumor yeah, that Chuck Schumer is going to get really, taken like down I'm, by weird sex I'm, stuff. I'm yeah, I'm sorry.
2: Out there, we do have to believe the woman, right? Um, um, so I think that they have to be willing to turn that sword on themselves. If that's the sword that they want to die on, um, I think that what they're doing is that they realize that they're gonna take down some of their own by spearheading this whole Me Too movement and how they kind of remedied that and how they kind of solved that and and is, is by using Al Franken. Um, as the guy who fell on his sword, as the scapegoat. that said, yes, we're even going to call out some of our own, but when we call out some of our own, look what they do. They resign. This is how moral we are. We are willing to throw away some of our own and stand for the principle of morality or principle of against sexual harassment, which I don't think that's a really moral stance at all. I think it's politically expedient. Um, But if they are willing to continue to do that and continue to allow their congressmen who are accused of sexual assault to fall on their sword," then we're not going to have any Congress people anymore, which I think would be great. Then the libertarians win.
0: Yeah, well, that's true, although I am sympathetic to Federalist 51, which says that the Congress exists so that all the sociopaths of the country can go into a room and fight one another. And the Democrats, they do seem to be much less morally concerned, much less morally meticulous if you're the senator from New Jersey named Bob Menendez, but who knows? It's so strange. I do want to make, just before we sign off from Facebook and YouTube, I do want to point out we are not starting the rumor that Chuck Schumer, the senior senator from New York and the Democratic leader is a sexual predator we're not starting that rumor so don't don't you go around spreading that don't, <laughs>
2: don't repeat it don't repeat
0: it that, that chuck schumer is a, a sexual predator okay we've got to sign off from facebook and youtube if you already subscribe to the daily wire thank you very much it helps us keep the lights on Coffee in my cup it helps me recover on horrible terrible mornings like this when republicans lose alabama so if you haven't subscribed, go to dailywire.com right now. What do you get? Well, it's nine dollars or ten dollars a month, or one hundred dollars for an annual membership. You get me, the Andrew Klavan show, the Ben Shapiro show, blah 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 blah. You get the leftist tears tumbler. Now, I I will grant you it's a little emptier this morning after Doug Jones' victory last night. But look, we got a lot more races coming, folks. We have a lot more winning. The House is moving very fast on tax reform, so it's really probably just a matter of hours before this thing fills up again and we can lower tax rates, cut the corporate tax, and make America great again. So so go to dailywire.com, get that leftist tears tumbler right now. We will be right back. Okay, in the news, (laughs) this one really rings true for me. A new study published in the journal International Psychogeriatrics, uh, I could describe members of my family, by the way, psychogeriatrics, (laughs) it shows that the key to living a long life is being a stubborn old Italian woman. The common personality traits that have helped a group of 90 to 101-year-old Italians is stubbornness, hope, and a love for family and country. The lead author of the study went on, quote, We also found that this group tended to be domineering, <laughs> stubborn, and needed a sense of control, which can be a desirable trait as they are true to their convictions and care less about what others think. Get out of my grandmother's house. What are you doing? What are you recording there? <laughs> this is almost an anti-scientific study, it seems to me. It's a scientific study that says that instead of listening to scientists, you should just do what your Italian grandmother says. Allie... How seriously should we take this or any other supposedly scientific psychological study that promises us health and happiness?
2: I mean, obviously I think it's totally subjective and up to the individual. I like this, I like anti-science science. science. I think it's good science. I think (laughs) it's completely subjective how long people live. Um, I I think probably the biggest factor that I see over and over again from scientists, psychologists alike, is that stress is a really big factor in how long people live. I mean, I have a grandfather, for example, who has smoked cigarettes and has drank his entire life um, and is in no way in good shape, but he's lived a very long time and then I have other people in my family who have been the epitome of great health and have suffered health complications um, that had nothing to do with how they lived their life. But the thing about my grandfather is, is that he has been virtually stress free. He is very content in who he is and in his life. Um, he leads a very simple life. And I kind of think that's the common thread that we see throughout people who end up living a long time is kind of a lack of stress, which mm. we have not picked the right jobs, I don't think, to um, <laughs> also have very long lives.
0: That is true. I try to get my requisite 14 hours of sleep a night, but Ben always just comes banging on the door, waking me up. It's it's very difficult. It's a hostile <laughs> it's work rude. environment. Amanda, you are a future Italian grandmother. Why is it mm-hmm. that these traits tend to lead to a long life?
3: I, I don't know, but th- this this is like the most scientific thing I have ever read. <laughs> I mean, it's. And it it actually makes me very hopeful because I'm basically the person that they're describing. Um oh, yeah. so I'm I'm I think this is like one hundred percent accurate. Um, I, I don't know. I mean it's it's I guess it can be subjective like Ellie was saying, but I would like to believe that this is one hundred percent um real. So I will live into a <laughs> to hundred. But but like my my nonna, for example, she's like eighty seven. Um like everyone and my family's lived to a very long life. Um maybe maybe there's like also, guilt that might also help someone live longer. That's like a good trait for <laughs> Italian. So maybe, maybe it makes that too. So, um, do you want yeah, to live I'm, to
2: a hundred? Really that's the that's the question that I pose this panel of deplorables. Do you want to live to a hundred years old?
0: That's a hard one. It depends. If I can still smoke stogies and have a little scotch in my glass, then I think life is still worth living. You know, I'll enjoy the beautiful poetry of the world. But my my own grandmother, if she if I said her age on the air, she would she would come through that wall and murder me. So I'll I'll refrain from (laughs) that. She says it's twenty nine. But she still goes out. She chases the deer who eat her little flowers, she chases them with a hose around her property. This woman (laughs) is tough as nails, and yeah, there is something to living a long time because you just refuse to let the world kill you you, know? you just <laughs> yeah. uh, i'm not going anywhere tough good luck mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if i would if i would want to do that i don't know if it's if it's necessarily the happiest you know 110 year old person who's just stubborn and frowning and angry at the world but i do like that a love of country is an aspect of this love of family and love of country there's something about mm. en- enjoying the place that you are and the people that surround you that uh, doesn't surprise me that they would want to stick around it's very real it's very tangible and it and you know it makes life worth living patriotism these tellers don't run if you want to live a long time just love america We've got to move on. Republicans plan to accuse the Justice Department of bias after newly revealed text messages among FBI officials, including some working on the Mueller probe, revealed extreme anti-Trump bias and conspiracy. Last year, just before the election, FBI agent Peter Strzadzak, I can't pronounce his name, Peter Strzok, <laughs> texted FBI lawyer Lisa Page, quote, I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's me- office, meaning FBI Director Andrew McCabe, that there's no way he, meaning Trump, gets elected, but I'm afraid we can't take that risk. It's like an insurance policy. In the unlikely event you die before 40, (laughs) that text was sent just weeks after the FBI investigation into Russian interference began, meaning that the whole investigation appears to have begun as a political hit job to damage Trump. Is this a conspiracy? Amanda, is there a deep state conspiracy against Donald Trump?
3: I mean, it's looking more and more like that. I know Trump from the beginning was saying that it was the witch hunt. And as the days pass, it looks more and more increasingly like it is a witch hunt. I mean, these text messages, its it's not just... they happen to you know be democrat they happen to have a political view that that would be kind of expected um it's that text that you just read where it's almost like it was a conspiracy like they were going to take him down that is so so troubling and the whole point of the special counsel um of this investigation is to rid bias how in the world is this ridding bias i mean peter uh, was just let go. But I mean, he had his hands in everything. Apparently, he was like the only FBI agent. Um, and he has a very severe bias. So it, it's, it's like the FBI very, very in the Trump-y.
0: movies. In the movies, we all picture it's just like yeah. one guy doing everything. That is Peter's. Yeah, it's really bad. If the texts had just said, Trump, what a jerk. Oh, wow, I don't like him. That's one thing. But they're referring to meetings with the director of the FBI on ways to take Trump out. Very bad. Allie, Does the Mueller And
3: there's and thus far there's no evidence of collusion? So that's also you know, (laughs) if we had some evidence of collusion, maybe we can be like, okay, like just get rid of that guy and continue, but where's the collusion? I don't know. Well,
0: there's collusion between the Justice Department and the Hillary Clinton campaign. That's the collusion. There's no collusion (laughs) between Trump and Russia. Allie, does Mueller, who employed both of these people in the text exchange, who stacked his investigation with people who are against Donald Trump? Does Mueller have any credibility left? Does this investigation have any credibility left?
2: I don't think so. And I used to be of the camp that said, "Okay, we can't fire Mueller. That's going to be an absolute disaster. But I think the more we learned about the potential of a conspiracy, the more you really wonder if he should be in this place. And at the very least, do we need to hire an investigation to investigate the investigation? I mean, I I think that's what the American people deserve. And I think it's crazy just how much Trump continues to be vindicated in this kind of thing. I mean, every time he says some seemingly outlandish thing about that there's no Russian collusion and Obama wiretapped him, and now the real collusion (laughs) is with Hillary Clinton and the FBI and all of this. It seems ridiculous at the time, but it ends up that, okay, he might not have worded it correctly, but he was actually right. (laughs) And I'm just wondering Mm -hmm. if the FBI thought that they were so savvy that this wasn't going to come out at any point, um, that they were going to continue to spin this narrative of collusion and that it wasn't going to come back bite them. Um, I think it just kind of shows how stupid they think the rest of the world is, and the rest of the American people are, and how stupid Trump and his cronies are, um, that they were never going to figure something like this out. And so I think it's going to be amazing and amazingly vindicating for all of us, if at the end of this, there's obviously no Russian collusion and the real collusion was with the Hillary Clinton camp. It'll just be beautiful.
0: And that that hubris of the FBI is right. so outrageous. Pride yes. goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You jerks, we got you, ha ha ha.
2: <laughs> Next
0: news story, <laughs> I, you know, last week or two weeks ago maybe, I got in trouble with lefties pretending to be offended. They weren't really offended but they were pretending to be offended. Because I suggested that the massive fire that burned down Hollywood, the one that torched my commute and made me broadcast from my apartment in front of my Christmas tree, that that was evidence of God's unsubtle brushstroke, you know, the... the Physical re- reflecting the metaphysical, the figurative in the sex scandal melting down Hollywood and then literally the same thing happening. Uh, we now know mm-hmm. the immediate cause of the fire that destroyed six homes and damaged a dozen others. It was bums. City officials have confirmed the start. The fire rather, was started by a cooking fire at a homeless encampment. L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti, who has completely failed to address the homeless crisis, passed the buck saying, quote, You can never get to zero risk. I think it would be a mistake to think we could. All right, Eric, sure. Amanda, there are homeless people camping out all over the city. Why are there so many homeless people?
3: Yeah, well, that's the thing though. Like instead of reflecting and being like, okay, this is a massive homeless problem. Let's address that. Maybe our policies. Aren't so aren't doing so hot, and <laughs> we should change our economic policies. No, no, no. I think the solution that I read, and this is like legit, is that they said they wanted to educate the homeless about these fires, like safety precautions for the homeless. Like, why not try to make them not homeless?
0: But on that on that point of the homeless people, it's true we need policies and incentives so that they can't live like bums for their lives, but also that won't solve it for everybody. The poor will always be with us. Mm-hmm. And in the nineteen mm-hmm. eighties. We closed down a lot of mental institutions during the Reagan administration, actually, because there were new psychotropic drugs. There were uh, drugs that would a- address psychological conditions, and then they would be better, and these people didn't need to be locked up anymore. Trouble was they stopped taking the drugs when they got out, and all of a sudden they were living in squalor again. We do not take mental health seriously in the United States. It's a touchy issue because we don't want to be able to commit people to institutions. Uh, we want them to be free to live lives of misery and squalor and crime for themselves and society. But that isn't compassionate. And a, a huge proportion of homeless people have mental illnesses. So we ought to take that seriously. There's n- there is nothing compassionate about... Uh, lefty politicians who think it's better to leave them on the street than to get them the care that they need even if it's involuntary and the road to hell is paved with good intentions ladies that is all the time we're actually running a little late it is always so good to see you i was having such a terrible morning i see you it brightens my day my heart flutters my covfefe rises through the roof thank you very much (laughs) the conservative millennial ali stuckey the daily wires own amanda presto giacomo that is our show get your mailbag questions in for tomorrow and i will answer all of them and change your lives, hopefully, for the better. Andrew Clavin changes them for the better. I think I either tread water or make them a little bit worse, but that's okay. That's fine anyway. Uh, Tune in tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you then. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Marshall Benson. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jessua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2017.